Hello, this is Chris Truitt, and I'm a tax partner and national leader of our transaction tax practice. Today, I'll be discussing qualified small business stock with Barry Wines, who is a director in our practice. We've had many questions from our clients around this topic and hope this discussion provides a good general overview of this very powerful tax planning opportunity. Barry, is this a new tax provision and can you give a brief overview of what it means? Sure, Chris. This is not a new provision. The 100% exclusion has been around since 2010. In order to take advantage of the exclusion, you must hold the stock for five years and then you would get a potentially 100% exclusion. There is a maximum amount of either $10 million or 10 times your basis in the stock, if that's greater. As an example, if I invested $2 million in qualifying stock, 10 times my basis would be $20 million, and I could potentially exclude up to $20 million of gain on the sale of that stock. So in other words, if you invested only $100,000 in the stock, you, you could still exclude the full $10 million, correct? Correct. The $10 million is the lowest limit. So any gain below $10 million would always be excluded. To get above $10 million, you would need to have invested more than a $1 million. So what's made this provision a more attractive tax planning tool recently, even though it's been around for quite a while? So since this was passed in 2010 and required a five-year hold, 2015 was really the first year people could start to take advantage of it. And with the recent passage of the Tax Cut and Jobs Act in 2017 that lowered corporate tax rates, it made C-corporations a more attractive investment vehicle where previously it was generally pass-throughs. So I think the combination of the fact that people are now just starting to take advantage of this provision and the lower tax rates has made it something that is more on people's radar and rather than falling into it after five years, people are now trying to plan into it ahead of time. So how does an investment become eligible to be considered qualified small business stock and is there a special election that needs to be made to qualify? So there's not a special election that needs to be made because what happens is this exclusion is taken on the, the shareholder's tax return when a gain is ultimately reported. But in order to qualify, first of all, the entity, the, the C corporation, and it must be a taxed as a C corporation. So it could be an LLC, but it must be taxed as a C corporation, has to qualify as a qualified small business. And in order to do that, it has to be a domestic corporation and it has to have gross assets of less than $50 million. In addition, it must have a qualified trader business and more than 80% of its assets have to be used in that qualified trader business. So those are the rules for the company. The shareholder then has certain rules on the holding of that stock. They must hold that stock for five years before it would qualify for the exclusion. Additionally, how the shareholder received the stock is important. They must have received it directly from the company and it must have been in exchange for either money or property or for services. So generally this is going to be better for shareholders who are looking for a long-term hold as opposed to somebody who's looking to, to benefit in a two to three year time frame. 
So, so what happens if the company goes above 50 million? Do the shareholders lose the benefit at that point? No, the way the test works is once the company goes above 50 million, no future shareholders would benefit from this provision. However, any shareholder who continued to hold their stock that they received prior to it reaching the 50 million threshold would still be entitled to those benefits, assuming the company continued to operate meeting the 80% asset test. So does the stock need to be held only by an individual to qualify or do other types of taxpayers qualify? C corporations are not eligible. So the only other type of taxpayers who are eligible for this exclusion are partnerships and S corporations, generally pass-through entities. So if the pass-through entity meets all the holding requirements that we've talked about, the five years, how they acquired it, then that that gain that that entity recognizes is potentially excludable. There is a second level of test. The individual shareholder or member or partner must have been a partner at the time that that stock was acquired in order to be able to take, a, take advantage of that benefit. So the pass-through entities qualify, but there are some rules to make sure that it's truly people who have been around for that five-year hold. So what area of these rules do you think pose the most challenge for private equity groups? So there's a couple areas. First of all is the initial acquisition. Generally, when private equity acquires companies, they're acquiring from the, the owners. Therefore, the acquisition of stock from owners would not qualify. There are ways to structure this so that we can get some qualifications. The, the second challenge generally is the $50 million of gross assets, depending on the value of the company. So clearly, large acquisitions are not going to be covered. Smaller ones may be. The other challenge is going to be the five-year hold, because generally the private equity is, is looking for a shorter time period of time. So making sure there's going to be a five-year hold is also important. And as we talked about before, is the individual partners or investors have to have been involved at the beginning. So when we're dealing with private equity, you know, shifting or waterfall allocations or profit interest can present some challenges to that ownership and determining whether they had an ownership stake as of the date of the acquisition. But again, we can generally try to find ways to structure around some of these. And then the other problem becomes making sure throughout the life of the company that we have the 80% uh, qualified business test. Because what will happen is when future funding comes in, that cash, how it has to be counted, can get rather complicated. So making sure we meet those requirements. Those are the ways that private equity would be challenged in taking the 1202. So it's not insurmountable, but it is something that needs to be looked at and thought about from the beginning. And certainly in the private equity space, I think you know the, the hold period can always be a challenge depending on the type of private equity group and the expected uh, turn times and hold times of their portfolio. Um, so really this is can work for some private equity, but maybe for others, uh, like in a family office setting, that might be you know, even more ideal if there's a longer hold period. 
regardless, I think it is certainly something that anyone contemplating an acquisition should consider and do the analysis of, is this a 1202 qualifying business? Are the assets gonna allow the investment to qualify? And really should should you be using a C Corp versus a partnership? So it's just another it's another element to consider, I think, when we're looking at entity selection type involving acquisitions. Um, so certainly very powerful tool. I think it it requires some consideration um, regardless and and really just kind of working through the the numbers to see which which works best. So I uh, appreciate your insights today, Barry. I think it's been very helpful. Hopefully everyone's gained some a better understanding of this provision and certainly they can reach out to either one of us with Cherry Beckert and this will be available on our website at cbh.com. Thank you.